1: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Listen Up. We have got uh, the NBA trade deadline tomorrow. The Kings have made a minor move, picking up Ford Kessler-Edwards from the Brooklyn Nets. Tomorrow, of course, is uh, the deadline. The Lakers and LeBron James. Tonight, can he be the man that has the most points in the NBA history? They go against Oklahoma City in Los Angeles. Obviously, all eyes will be on that game. Kings last night toyed with the uh, hapless Houston Rockets. The Kings and Rockets will play again tomorrow. All right, we got the Super Bowl coming up this week as well. Anything else that's going on in the world of sports, you got Kyrie Irving, who will be in Sacramento this week for a pair of games. Uh, The question is, what's going to be the latest with Luka Doncic? Luka has been out with a bruised heel. So not really sure what the timetable is. I keep on hearing different stories as it relates to Luka Doncic, but uh, he did not play last night and the Mavs were able to go into Salt Lake City uh, and beat the Utah Jazz. So that was a pretty impressive win uh, shorthanded last night for the uh, Dallas Mavericks. But again, we'll see. Um, You know, I'm hearing that he's set to, you know, rejoin uh, the team tomorrow in LA, but will not play against the Clippers. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play this weekend or not against Sacramento, but Kyrie Irving certainly would appear too. all right. And he would make, you know, Irving's going to make his debut uh, tomorrow against the Clippers, but no, no, no idea uh, about Luka Doncic. All right. Let me hear from you. Uh, what do you want to see the Kings do? I did, I ramped on this today. If the Kings do not pick up a veteran backup point guard, I think you're going to have problems. I really do. And again, this is a very fragile team right now. And by fragile, I mean they don't have anybody that can step in for De'Aaron Fox when he's not playing. They just don't. All right? And to me, you got to get a guy that can run a team. He has to be able to run a team. Davion Mitchell cannot run the team offensively. He just can't. You know, you got to call it the way it is. They need somebody that can run the team. Now you can ask me, well, what about Matthew Della Eh, you know, it's been a while for him. And I'm not so sure he's the answer. They need a, a veteran backup point guard that can run this team in the event that Aaron Fox is out of the lineup for any period of time. Because if they don't, okay? And De'Aaron Fox gets hurt. The Kings are in a lot of trouble. Let's just call it the way it is. They would be in a lot of trouble. Matter of fact, when I mean a lot of trouble, I'm talking about like maybe not playoffs, okay? That's what I'm talking about. You got to call it the way it is. You've seen it. I've seen it. You know, when Fox is out of the lineup, the Kings have a lot of issues. All right? They have a lot of issues. They can barely get the ball up and down the floor into the basket. So, to me, that's my number one priority between now and tomorrow if I'm Marty McNair. All right. Hit me up. Hit your hand icon. And we will do it. All right. I want to hear from you. What do you think the Kings need? What's your wish list? All right. Let's move along. Let's start us off with our leadoff man will be Connor. Connor, how are you?
3: Doing good, Grant. How are you?
1: I'm good, buddy.
3: Yeah, so this Kings trade that I woke up to today, I mean, I don't think it really matters that much. It's not a big move. I mean, there's no need for fans to really complain about it or anything. I mean, I think it's just a small move that, I mean, it's kind of a low risk, maybe possible high reward situation. So I don't mind it at all.
1: It's a minor deal. Absolutely correct.
3: And then, I mean, obviously, like we've been talking about, it would be cool to add a veteran point guard and stuff. But, I mean, what do you think about if they can't find somebody? What about having Malik Monk with his playmaking skills and stuff kind of just run the offense of the bench and then maybe Davion plays shooting guard and just kind of is out there for defensive assignments?
1: Yeah, I don't really see that happening. I think we would have seen it already. And I I just – I don't think the Kings feel that that is – a scenario that's going to work because they would have tried it already. And I, I haven't seen it and I just, I, I don't believe that's the option. I think you need a legitimate point guard on the roster to back up the Aaron Fox and Malik Monk is not a legitimate point guard. So to me, I mean, I, I've been thinking about some players that might be available. Uh, Alec Burks is one, you know, I was talking with Ryan and, Uh, Sacktown about that. That would be somebody that has been on this roster before that is a veteran that knows how to run a team. You know, again, I talk about uh, when the Kings had uh, Corey Joseph. You know, he's not flashy, but he knows how to run a team. And when he was running the team, the Kings were able to function and they were able at times to play well offensively. He knows how to get the team into the offense. High basketball IQ. That's the type of player that I'm talking about. You got to be realistic here. You know, you're not going to pick up, you know, somebody that is like a big name who's really, really good, but it's a third guard. You got to be realistic about this.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's it doesn't look like the options are very plentiful right now, but hopefully they can find a diamond in the rough or get a deal done the next couple of days.
1: Well, they only have until tomorrow. The trade deadline is well. I shouldn't say tomorrow. Until Thursday, I beg, I beg your pardon. They have two days. You know, I keep on saying tomorrow. It's they have two days. Um, generally, I say tomorrow because generally most deals are consummated uh, by the end of tomorrow. But they have technically until Thursday. So, you know, we'll see. I I, I was I aired when I said tomorrow. They have until Thursday.
3: Yeah, and then switching to what's going on tonight, I mean, I'm by no means a LeBron James fan, but, I mean, I think it's just like as a basketball fan, I mean, I'm going to tune in. I mean, I think it's something you got to watch, I mean, to witness something special, to witness history. I mean, I think it's going to be a pretty big night if you can get it done.
1: You know, witnessing history uh, and being at a sporting event where history is going to happen, there's nothing like it. I was at the game at Shea Stadium, when O.J. Simpson ran for 2,000 yards in a season. And you got to remember, this was a 14-game season, not a 16-game season. And it's the coldest game I've ever been to, even to this point in my life. And I was there with Christopher Mandog Russo and my brother. And my brother left at halftime to go back to the car because it was that cold to put on the heat. And I said, I'm not leaving. I'm, I'm staying here to watch history. And when he actually ran for over 2,000 yards, the place was made. First of all, it was a miserable day. And the place wasn't full when the game began. But if you go back and watch the highlights of that, Shea Stadium basically looks empty because there weren't a lot of people around to see that. And I was one of them. And that has never been done before. No one has ever run for 2,000 yards in the NFL in 14 games. There have been a few that have done it in 16, but nobody's done it in 14. And I remember that day vividly, and I remember how special it was. And here we are, you know, in 2023, and that's never been done before. So, yeah, I think being at a game where you know history is going to be made is a remarkable thing. So I'm with you on that. It is very – it's special.
3: Yeah, I mean, just kind of thinking about it, I mean, I think some people thought that Kareem's record would be one that would never be broken. But now with the evolution of the game and how important the three ball is, I mean, yeah, pretty remarkable what we're seeing right now.
1: Well, what's remarkable is and I've shared this story with you, well, with my audience, I don't know if I've specifically shared it with you, but I was blessed to announce his first ever NBA game. And matter of fact, I retweeted the LeBron James commercial that Jerry and I did, his first ever Nike commercial uh, as a professional. And I'll never forget Jerry Reynolds saying in the middle of that first game, that boring injury, when it's all said and done, we may be witnessing the greatest player in the history of the game. And there are a lot of people that think that he is. There are some that still think he's not. But the reality is you can't have that conversation Without LeBron James' name in it. So, what he's able to, what he's still able to do at age 38, how well he's still able to play, and the fact that he's on the brink of this accomplishment is pretty remarkable.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. And then, I mean, I'm just looking at, like you said, I mean, for people who want to be at the game to witness history, I mean, what if you're there tonight and he doesn't do it? I mean, then you're just going to kind of be trying to follow him, try to get tickets each game until he breaks it. But I'm sure. The yeah. Good luck with that. Little, you
1: could. Pay, yeah. You better have a lot of money. You better have a lot of money. That's for sure. Obviously, the people in LA have a lot of money that go to those games. But yeah, you you better have a lot of money. That is for damn sure. But yeah, I mean, this is a once in a lifetime deal. It literally is a once in a lifetime. I mean, think about what we're talking about with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and think how long it's been. I mean, this is unbelievably remarkable.
3: Yeah. I mean, last season we had Steph Curry break the three-point record. I mean. I think this is obviously a much bigger magnitude, but yeah, I mean it's pretty cool exactly. to see records like this. Every year, something new seems to happen. I mean, that's the beauty of the NBA.
1: I don't think Steph Curry breaking a three-point record. To me, that's not a big deal. It's a relatively new uh, shot in the league. The game continues to change. The game has become a, a three-point shooting contest. It's just like quarterback throwing for 5,000 yards in a season or you know 4,000 yards in a season every year. It's not a big deal to me because it's an offensive league, it's a passing league. So that's not that big of a deal to me. I mean, you know, the the quarterbacks that played in the era that was my favorite era, like Joe Montana and those players, you know, they weren't able to do that. It, even though we had Jerry Rice, I mean, it was a different era back then. It just was. I mean, if Dan Marino played in the NFL today, okay, Dan Marino would be setting records left and right like you could not believe. If Dan Marino was in the National Football League right now coming out of Pittsburgh, the records that this guy would set would be would, would be mind-boggling. So, you know, again, different eras, different, the games are played differently.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, people try to kind of just theorize, I guess, if a player from a different era would be good in, like, today's era. I mean, I've seen it a lot that, like, Shaquille O'Neal, whether he would be good or not because of how the big man is transformed. I mean, he would obviously be dominant and maybe even more dominant. I mean, with a player of that caliber and that talent, I think they'd be able to adjust to the league and adjust their skill set accordingly.
1: Well, they probably would because they probably would have grown up playing the game differently. So Shaq probably uh, would have played with his back to the basket, yes. But the stupid coaches in America would have had him learning how to shoot the three ball and also make him a perimeter big man, which again, I say stupid because that's exactly what would have happened. And that's asinine. But that, that that's exactly what would have occurred. So. He would have played the game differently growing up and throughout high school and college before he got to the NBA. So he would have been better suited to play the style of basketball that's now played in the NBA.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. That's all I got. See if LeBron can break the record tonight.
1: Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Bye bye. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls. You got to raise your hand icon and I will put you uh, right on. Hope you are having a very good day. Uh, tomorrow, the Kings and the Rockets, and then Thursday, uh, the trade deadline. I said tomorrow, and the reason why I said tomorrow is generally, you know, most of the trades we know about by tomorrow, but it's technically on Thursday. Tomorrow, I got my open forum Wednesday, and then we got the Kings and the Rockets. So right now, we're talking about what, 48 hours for the trade deadline? What do you think? You want that point guard? You want the point guard? I think the Kings need a point guard. That to me is their most glaring need. And I'm not giving up on Davion Mitchell, by the way. I'm just saying he's not right now today ready to run a team. He might be next year. He might be the year after, but he's not right now. Now, could I see him being part of a deal? I could. But you're probably going to have to give up something to get the player that I'm thinking about, the caliber of player uh, that I am thinking about. All right, NBA tonight. Uh, New York is at Orlando. Phoenix plays in Brooklyn, Atlanta at New Orleans. Memphis hosts Chicago. Uh, Minnesota at Denver. And the Lakers, as we talked about, at home against the Thunder. You know, the Memphis Grizzlies are a team that looks like they're in a free fall. No Stephen Adams. And they can barely win a game. You got the ugly incident and the allegations of – what happened in the tunnel of the arena in memphis with the bus of the indiana pacers involving morant and his posse so to speak there were two cars so i don't know what car morant was in but it was a it's a it's a very alarming serious Situation, right? I mean, we can all agree on that. It's also beyond comprehension. That's another thing. It's beyond comprehension. It really is. So we'll see. You know, I know that the NBA has banned some of those that were involved from games at the FedEx Forum. This occurred on January 29th. And it was reported that acquaintances of Morant confronted members of the Pacers near the Indiana's bus in the loading dock area. And, I mean, there was a laser apparently coming from an SUV, and it was reported that Morant was in that SUV and that the laser was pointed towards the players on the Indiana Pacers in the loading area. So it is not yet known who shined the laser and whether it was attached to a gun or not. So we'll see. I know the NBA came out with a statement and said, quote, NBA security and league investigators conducted an investigation interviewing numerous eyewitnesses and reviewing video surveillance Following allegations made by the Pacers organization regarding, re, regarding a postgame incident on January 29th, while we substantiated that a postgame situation arose that was confrontational based on interviews and other evidence gathered, we could not corroborate that any individual threatened others with a weapon. Certain individuals involved in the postgame situation and a related matter during the game that night had subsequently banned from attending games in the arena. If additional information becomes available related to the postgame situation, the league office, or league office rather will conduct a further review. Morant tweeted that a friend of his was banned from the FedEx Forum for a year. You know, I, I, all I can say is nothing surprises me anymore. That's all I'll say. The stupidity. I mean, John Morant, an all-star, all right, an up-and-coming big-time star in the NBA. When I mean up-and-coming, I mean young. Has these type of people hanging around him, and he's also involved being at the scene? Again, you just can't make it up. All right, let's get to Ryan in Sacktown. Hey, Ryan, how are you? Good afternoon, Grant. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. What's happening? Nothing much.
4: That That's just straight ridiculousness. I mean, yep. I, I don't know how else to put it. The first problem, Grant, is what the hell are those guys doing down in that area? I get family and friends, quote unquote come down and see the players hang out on the court after the game. But that's a really easy way to fix that problem. Not let a million guys or your quote unquote posse hang around other players in the tunnels and park in the player parking lot. That, that makes no
1: sense. Yep. I'm with you hundred percent. I agree with you. That area should be for team personnel only. Okay. And I'm very familiar with exactly where that incident would have occurred. I, understand, I would have known exactly where the two buses are. You walk down a ramp from, you go outside a door, you walk down five steps, and then you walk down a ramp. And the reason why I say there's a ramp is because when you unload all of the equipment from the bus, they put it on a cart and they take the cart like a golf cart and you need a ramp to go back up into the arena. So then you have the two buses that are next to the ramp, and on the other side of the ramp is a wall. And then in front of the buses, to the left and to the right, that's where all the various cars park. And those are coaches' cars, players' cars, uh, maybe a broadcaster's car. You know what I'm saying? Like team personnel. That's it. Nobody else should be down there. You're 100% correct.
4: And, and this is not the first time we've heard of issues with Morant's group. I mean, we just saw it in L.A. with uh, Shannon Sharp. We've heard some other stories that have happened in Memphis. It It's kind of alarming, to be honest with you, and something that we really need to track.
1: It is alarming. The only exception to that area would be a player's wife, girlfriend, children, uh family members that are legitimate family members okay that's it that 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 that's you are 100% correct now i will say something i'm glad you brought up shannon sharp i'm not a fan of his i don't enjoy him as a sports commentator but with that said i watched his apology on social media somewhere mm-hmm. that he made on fs1 <laughs> and i got to tell you it was as sincere as heartfelt and made more sense than almost any apology that i've ever seen from anyone and i gained a lot of respect for him with the way he handled that situation he didn't defer any of the blame he didn't do he 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 owned it he spoke for a couple of minutes and I don't know if you saw it, but I, I thought it was sensational. I thought it was incredible. And I gained a lot of respect for him. So Yeah, I did uh, you see, it, see it. I, yeah, I thought I, it was great. That's was, me personally.
4: Yeah, I did see it. I thought it was very, very well said. It was from the heart and sincere. Yep. Um, especially with the guy sitting across the table from him, where it's sometimes yep. the complete opposite when situations like yep. that arise. And by the way, if you want Shannon Sharp's seat tonight for the Lakers game, it's only $182,000 for two of them. Well wow. Right there court. Is that right? Is that right? Can you That's, just Im- through, that, that's wow. through Ticketmaster Grant. And uh, the Thunder game, if or the next game against Milwaukee, if uh, LeBron doesn't break it tonight, they're up to two forty-two thousand
1: for the pair. Well, everybody's hoping that he scores ten points tonight, ten points against the Bucks. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. I mean seriously, I mean that's that you know that's beyond belief to me. It really is. That's I can't even comprehend that. Can you comprehend that? We're talking about a game in January. You know the magnitude of this that. You know, a a ticket could be over $200,000 for the next game.
4: It's very hard to believe. I mean, I I love to see history. This is, like you said, once in a lifetime probably for us. But there's no way that I'm paying that much to see history. (laughs) I can watch Uh, it from the upper deck or I can watch it from home.
1: Uh, I'll tell you, if I was announcing a game, if it were the Kings and I was still the announcer, I would figure out a way to sell my broadcast seat and do the game (laughs) from a monitor in the hotel room.
4: There you go. Well, the Kings are broadcasting I, right now from uh, golden one anyway, so that'd work out well. Um, hey, so I thought this would be a fun stat to point out. Do you know how many threes Kareem Abdul-Jabbar made in his career?
1: Um, I, I would guess probably either zero or one or two. One. He made one. Okay. And LeBron's yep.
4: got 2,233. So there you have it um, – it, it, goes to show you how much the game has changed. And it makes me think with the game changing and the trend that we're seeing with the three ball, do you think this record will be broken again?
1: No, um, I don't because, I mean, it's going to require, well, I'll tell you, if it if it's going to be broken, a guy that could break it would be Luka Doncic. All right, so there's if you're asking me, is there a player currently playing in the NBA that could break this? And I would say, Barring injury, looking at how old he was when he came into the league, assuming that he can play for 20 years, right? I could see Luca doing it. Steph's not going to do it because he's not healthy enough to do it. Um, he night, you know, Luca. I mean, you tell me: is there a player currently in the league that you could see breaking this someday?
4: No, not currently. I, I don't think Luca can have the longevity that LeBron's had. Um, and he's been injury prone too from time to yep. time, but you know, these guys yep. are getting bigger, faster, stronger every single year. So you never know who the next phenom's going to be in the three ball. You're seeing people just light it up every single night. Look at our Kings. That's, that's why they're in contention.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
4: So anyways, um, yeah. One other thing have you heard, and I am not a fan of this. Have you heard the Westbrook talk in Sacramento?
1: I would not understand that move. I haven't heard specifically Sacramento, but I, you want to talk about a risk. You want to talk about a high risk. I wouldn't do it. I, I, I would not do it. I would not, if I'm Sacramento, I would not do that. If that's, if that's even something they're contemplating.
4: Well, it would be uh, if the Jazz end up pulling the trigger on that trade and they waive Westbrook, trying to bring him in on a veteran minimum. Um, I, I think I'm with you. If you bring in Westbrook, you might as well bring in Cousins as well, because it will just destroy the locker room.
1: Yeah, I I don't understand. Um, I wouldn't do it. I would stay away from that. I, I just you have a good thing going right now. You have a good future going right now. You have. A, a team with good chemistry right now, um, I I I mean it would open up a lot of eyes, it would create a lot of pizzazz, uh, it would put the kings on national TV a lot, but I'm not really sure that it would help you get to where you want to get to.
4: Well, he, he's not the type of player that you need to run an offense. He he's a no. scorer. And to Connor's That's point, correct. talking about malan- or er, Malik running the point, you know, Malik does a lot of dribbling a lot of penetration he's not an administrator he's a scorer and we would have the same problem that we're kind of having with Davion because that's what Davion does most of the time he drives in and gets caught so um yeah we need somebody that can distribute I like Burks um I, I really if the Kings wanted to go all in and they would really have to make it work with the salary and it would involve some significant pieces. I think Fred Van Vliet would be great for this
1: team. He would be great, but that would be expensive. I mean, it would, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to let me know what is the roster look like? What are you giving up to get Van Vliet? Cause he's going to be expensive. You know, he's not going to be somebody you're going to get for a draft pick. You know what I'm saying?
4: No, absolutely not. You, you would have to probably give up your next first you you may give up Keegan. You're going to give up Davion and maybe Harrison Barnes. But is Van Vliet that level of a point guard that could take – Yeah, I think he would be a significant upgrade or that significant of an upgrade to warrant taking a risk like that.
1: Well, you're probably not going to give up Keegan Murray, uh, who's a starter – to get a backup point guard, even though that three guard rotation with Van Vliet would be, would be, would be spectacular, but I don't see Keegan Murray being involved in a deal of that magnitude. I, I just don't Harrison Barnes. Yes. Uh, Davion Mitchell. Yes. Um, but I, I don't see Murray being part of a deal like that. That's, but if you could get Van Vliet, that would be incredible. That would be incredible.
4: Yep, that would do it. I mean, I, I could see Grant, I, I disagree. I could see them moving Keegan. I, I, I think Keegan, there's a tremendous upside there, but he's hot and cold, right? And we we still have a small sample size. His contracts friendly to the team because he's on a rookie contract, but we could slide some other pieces in there that can do some of those same things. And the Kings have actually done really no. well when they play small ball.
1: You're, but I'm, you're, you're looking at Keegan Murray now. You just said he does have a lot of upside. So let's project him and where you think he's going to be in two seasons from now compared to this year. He should be a lot more consistent, correct? Um, I, I would think his ceiling is attractive enough that I would want to hang on to him. If I'm not getting a frontline player in return, and what I mean a frontline player, Van Bleet would be coming off the bench in Sacramento. Right. Okay. So, you know, there's only 48 minutes in a game. Fox is going to be playing over 30 minutes every night. Are you going to really give up that much to get a player that's going to be a third guard? I, I wouldn't.
4: Well, what if you can get a deal where you get Siakam in there too?
1: Well, okay, now we're talking a completely different deal. If you could get Siakam and Van Vliet, um, would I give up Keegan-Maria in a heartbeat, in yeah. a second? You know. But if you're Toronto, why are you going to do that?
4: Well, they're looking to offload both of them. So yeah. they, they've been in talks. We'll go
1: ahead. No, I'm just going to say, we'll see. I know what they're trying to do. I mean, they, they had their pinnacle of winning a championship, and they're trying to reload and go through that whole process again. They have big salaries. I, I see that. Pascal Siakam would be great for any team in the NBA. I love him. I like the way he plays. And by yeah, the way, it's... doesn't he always kill the Kings every time the Kings play Toronto? Doesn't he always seem to have the biggest of games?
4: Oh, yeah. He's on the uh, he's on the Kings killer all first team. Yep. Um. Yep. But, yeah, I, I think, like, a move like that would – because we talked about not shaking the boat too much. But – and the Kings aren't a championship team right now, but I think – that kind of move would put them in that window where they could possibly with another couple moves, good draft picks, get a free agent, that opens their window for three or four years as long as they re-sign Sabonis. If they were all able right, so to gonna, pull some.
1: All right. So I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw this at you. Yeah. Okay. Would you trade for Bamblee and Siakam if the combination of players You had to send back in return, included the Aaron Fox. No, absolutely not. Okay, okay, because you know that's what they're going to ask for. Absolutely. Um, Okay, just throwing it out there. Siakam is a very special player, and but the Kings also have another special player downstairs, and his name is Demontis Sabonis. But I'm just, you know, we talk about changing the makeup of a team, and how good Van Vliet has been for Toronto. That's why. That's why I'm throwing that out there.
4: Well, w- w- would you consider that?
1: Um, I, w- I would think about it. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't just vehemently say no under no circumstances. I would I would at least think about it. Would I do it? Probably not. The reason why I say that is De'Aaron is still not yet in his prime at age 25. And you have him on a secure contract and his – level of play this year has been so good and i still think there's another rung on the ladder for him to get to yeah so for those reasons i would say no but i would i would at least think about it
4: yeah no you bring up a good point um yeah i I do agree there's gonna be another rung because just how he's getting to the basket now and that three-point game um there's really not anybody when he puts his head down that can stop him he's got that floater just working perfectly which he didn't have all the time in previous seasons so we'll see what they do at the deadline I mean it's fun to play GM right but um, you know it's all about making the team better
1: yeah I don't see a blockbuster for the Kings I just think them adding to what they already have and you know but again you know Van Vliet is not chopped liver he averages 20 points a game right okay and so it's not like you're talking about somebody that is it really good? He is really good. You know, what? here's the other deal. He also averages, I'm going to bring his numbers up as we're talking. All right, here are his numbers, okay? He, this year, okay, is averaging 37 minutes a game. So he's a workhorse, okay? Uh, his field goal percentage is a little alarming to me. It's only 39% and his career is 40%. I don't like that. Three-point shooting, good for the career, 37%. That's very good. Yep, averaging nineteen point seven points a game this year, six and a half assists, and four and a half rebounds. But his field goal percentage is uh, that would make me a little nervous. But he is—he's really good. He's won a championship before, and he is young as well. All right, he's young as well. But that field goal percentage would make me a little bit nervous at just under forty percent. But again, he he he, he rebounds. He can pass the ball, and his points are nearly 20 a game. So, again, you would be getting a really good player in return.
4: Yeah, and I would expect the field goal percentage to go up playing with uh, Sabonis, especially with Sabonis getting doubled now um, all the time. The way the ball moves around, I, I, I think, and realistically, the Raptors right now, not a very good team, even though they kicked our butts. But, you know, all the focus is on him and Siakam and that he wouldn't have all the focus if he was on the roster
1: here in Sacramento. So that may open it up a little bit. Since January 1st, the last 18 games, Van Vliet is averaging 21.7, 7.3 assists and five and a half rebounds. He's also a pretty good defensive player. He's averaging 1.4 steals during that time as well. So, you know, again, you're going to have to give up a lot to get a Van Vliet. That's for sure.
4: You would. You would. It, but it would significantly make this team better. And again, I, I think the focus has to be on offense. We, we can't think about defense because there's not a single yep. player in this league that we're going to bring in that's going to change what we do on defense. They might make a Correct. four point improvement. That's probably yep. a stretch. You might get a couple extra blocks. Why not? Yep play to your strengths and accentuate your offense. <laughs> I mean, that's what we need to do. That's how we're going to win games.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I do not disagree with that. It so, should be interesting. You know, we got, you know, less than 48 hours to go for the trade deadline. So we'll see if the Kings can can get uh, an established backup point guard. That would be pretty – you know, Van Bleed's probably st- – we're we're reaching for the stars. That's yes. not going to happen. We, we, you know, we're trying to get to the moon. That's not going to happen. You got to be more realistic. But he is an intriguing name out there. There's no doubt about that.
4: Yeah, and Conley's out there too, but Conley's salary is a little bit high.
1: Yep, Mike That'd Conley seem- would be perfect. I mean, yeah. if you could get a Mike Conley, you're probably going to hold on to the third spot in the West and probably have a really good chance of catching Memphis with their situation. That would be incredible, because if Fox were to go down, doesn't matter. Well, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but well, the that, point is, yeah. you know, I know, but you know what I mean. You'd have, you'd have yeah. a guy that legitimately could run the team, okay? That's what you would have.
4: Yeah, and, and Utah, they're trying to build their war chest, so that would be a yep. good fit for Sack too. I don't know. I, I could see them trying to get a decent name and move in a couple pieces, so we'll see what they do, Grant.
1: Two days and counting. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. If you want to get in on the program, hit your hand icon, and we will do it. Again, the trade deadline Thursday. I think we'll know a lot more about tomorrow night, but the trade deadline Thursday, it's Kings and the Rockets tomorrow. And then you had the Mavs coming in for a couple of games this weekend. The other aspect of making a deal on Thursday is with the schedule for the Kings playing back-to-back games. You know, if you make a multiple-player deal, then you probably don't have those guys available to play against the Mavericks. And with things so bunched up in the West, that would also factor me into making a deal tomorrow as opposed to Thursday, because you have a game on back-to-back days, all right, against the Mavs. So th- that's another reason why I'm looking at that both Friday and Saturday. So if I'm going to make that deal, I'm going to I'm making it tomorrow if I can, so I can make sure because you don't need those players to beat the Rockets if you you really don't. You got to be realistic about this but you're probably going to need them to beat the, uh,
0: Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: All right, if you want to get in on the program, uh, raise your hand and uh, we will do it. Don't forget tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific on YouTube, Jerry Reynolds. And then Ryan and I will be on at halftime and then again post game. Hey, I want to tell you about, um, you know, the reason why I talk about Zoom 180. Is uh, Roy, who I met a couple of years ago, is a walking miracle. Uh, he has beat stage four cancer twice in his life. He should not be with us. He is—he's a miracle, is what he is. He's a walking miracle, and I root for him every day. He's one of the nicest generous when i mean generous i mean like he's just he's got a spirit about him that i haven't found in many people and roy about two or three years ago came up with this idea of this flashlight that i've been talking about called zoom 180 and to get to this point has been like climbing mountains And now that this flashlight is in mass production and is available, uh, I'm just rooting for Roy, and that's why I love helping him and promoting this because Roy deserves good things in his life for his spirit. He's—I've never heard the guy once complain about anything that he goes to. Matter of fact, he's dealing with something right now, and based on a test last week, and he's just the most positive. Guy in the world, and I'm rooting for him, and I'm rooting for this flashlight to be a huge success, and that's why I love t- talking about it, and I le- love talking more about Roy than the flashlight. But if you get an opportunity, go to zoom180.com and check it out for yourself. All right, I, I had a friend get the fl- he was the first one to get the flashlight last week, and he's currently up in Montana now. And he sent me a message. I said, how do you like the uh, flashlight? And he sent me back. He goes, this thing is badass. I'm like, that's what I love to hear. So anyway, check it out. Zoom180.com. All right, let's get to Jerry. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you today?
2: Hey, Grant. Uh, Thanks for taking my call, sir. How are you today?
1: Thank you. I'm good, buddy.
2: Hey, Grant, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I don't remember what year this was when the Kings were on a roll. Uh, Chris Weber came back from injury, and the Kings were like almost about a 500 team. Do you, um, do you recall that?
1: Yeah, it was the uh, uh, 2003, and the Kings had the best record in March in the NBA. And uh, Chris came back on March 2nd against the Clippers, and Rick Adelman started him, which he shouldn't have, but he did. And he had a great game. And that was the last great game that he had ever in his career. And I'll never forget this. Uh, The Kings left the next day to go on a long road trip that began in Miami. Right. Right. And we're in Miami. And Lamar Odom made Chris look like he'd never played the game before. And Lamar Odom embarrassed Chris. And the Kings got embarrassed. And the very next night, we're in Orlando. And... Chris got into it with Rick because Rick said that he wasn't going to play him because it was his first back-to-back. And Chris went off on Rick. And Rick then ended up playing Chris. And Chris looked awful in that game. And the Kings, from that point forward, were a 500 team. And in the second round of the playoffs, lost to Minnesota at Minnesota in seven games. And the reason why I remember that so well is after the seventh, we had our bags packed in Minnesota to either fly after the game, back home to Sacramento with the season being over, or fly to LA to take on the Lakers in the Western Conference Championship. That was the year, by the way, that the Pistons beat the Lakers for their championship. This is when I knew that the great run of the Sacramento Kings was over. So we get on the bus, we go to the airport and our airplane, we go to a a private basically hangar, it's general aviation. And we're in this basically warehouse for lack of a better term to board the airplane. And in this warehouse, they had a popcorn machine. They had some coffee, they had some hot tea. And so I was on the back of the line because Vladi and pesha had gotten their coffee and they were hanging out in the back of the line and I was back there talking and Vladi says to me, our run is over. I'm like, what do you mean? Our run is over. He goes, it's over. It's done. We're done. And I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? He goes, we're done. It's over. He goes, it's over. And I was just looking at him, and I, I really was like speechless. And that was the last game that Vladi ever played for Sacramento. And he knew that Chris was done. He knew that Chris couldn't play anymore. And he was smart enough to see where the franchise was heading. And he—I'll never forget that. I—I had—I had—I got sick to my stomach hearing him say that when he said, "That's it. We're done." I'm like, what do you mean we're done? He goes, our run's over. We're done. We had our chance. We're done. And he was he was 100% spot on.
2: Wow. So, yes,
1: Chris came back, and the entire team was never the same. And Rick Adelman should have never started him. He should have said, hey, Chris, listen, we love you. We know how important you've been to this franchise, but we've got the best record in the league right now, and I need you to come off the bench. And if you do this, we can win a championship. But Chris's ego would have never allowed that. Uh, Chris was all about Chris. Chris was more about Chris than Chris was about the team. And people that don't believe that, you can believe that all you want. I know I lived it. I saw it. Okay. Chris Weber was one of the most gifted, talented players that I've ever seen. Ever. Ever. But Chris would rather score 30 points and have 15 rebounds and lose than score 15 points and seven rebounds and win. That's how he was. He was about Chris. And Chris Weber had so much talent, but after his microfracture surgery, he wasn't able to play anymore. And when I mean play, he wasn't able to do anything. And him coming back stopped any chance that the Kings had of winning a championship that year. In my heart, and I've talked about this with several players on that team, I believe the Kings would have beat the Timberwolves. And I believe that year, They would have beat the Lakers because the Lakers were somewhat vulnerable that year. Again, they lost in the finals to the Pistons. I believe that the Kings would have won a championship that year without Chris Webber. I believe if Chris had not come back that year, the Kings would have won a championship or they would have at least made it against the Pistons. I don't know if they would have beat the Pistons. The Pistons were good that year, but I think the Kings would have at least been to the finals that year.
2: And Grant, let me ask you this. Uh, so was that the year, and please correct me if I'm wrong, when Chris Webber got hurt in Game 7? Was that the year? or am I No, there? no. The year
1: before? No, that was the year before in the playoff series against Dallas, in Dallas, uh, and then Chris came back the following March. No. So that's okay. when Chris came back. So so Chris gets hurt in May in the playoff series against Dallas, mm-hmm. has microfracture surgery, and comes back for his first game on, I believe, March
2: 2nd. Okay. Uh, so were the Kings, like so if they would have beat the Mavericks in that game seven, well, they would have met the Lakers again for the Western. No, Carolina no, no, Finals, no, 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 no. That wasn't
1: that. game seven that Chris got hurt. I want to say that was uh, maybe game five, maybe game four. I can't remember, but it wasn't game seven against the Mavericks. Okay. Um, do I think the Kings had Chris not been hurt? Yes, I do think they would have once again. Um, well, they would have played the Lakers and we'll see what would have happened. I don't know. But the following year. I believe the Kings would have won the Western Conference Finals without Chris Webber. They had the best record in the league through uh, February into March. So, yes, I do.
2: And, Grant, do you think uh, it was maybe management uh, ownership that forced uh, Coach Adelman to bring no. Chris Webber back on the starting lineup?
1: No. No, it was Rick Adelman. Rick was a, a player's coach. Rick did not really have a backbone. It was his one fault. Great coach, great man, Love the love the guy. He didn't right. have a backbone. And uh, he always catered to Chris ever th- you know throughout Chris's career. I mean, listen, th- I'm not telling you anything you don't know. When Chris was hurt that year, he would go to the games and sit, you know, behind a bench, and then he'd be gone. And he'd be out at dinner, you know, he was seen at the ATM across the street, and then he'd be gone. Chris flew with us in I want to say January or February of that year for a nationally televised game against the Lakers on a Sunday. And he had not gone on the road before with his injury and players were like, oh, wow, it's great. Chris is supporting the team now. Maybe this means he's close to coming back. He's going to be blah, blah, blah. You know, it's so great. He's going to be with the team. Where's Chris the next day for the nationally televised game against the Lakers? You know where Chris is? He's in Beverly Hills on freaking Rodeo drive, having brunch with Tyra Banks while the Kings are playing the Lakers.
2: Wow. So it was pretty much that time, Grant, it was always about Chris Webber. Nobody else? Chris Webber.
1: 100%. And I can tell you this. If I had been the coach of the Kings, okay, I would have banned Chris from going on any other road trips while he was hurt to do that. And I will tell you that the players could not believe it. They were blown away that Chris is on the plane and the next day Okay, in the middle of the game, where's Chris? There is no Chris. And Chris is seen in Beverly Hills on Rodeo Drive with Tyra
2: Banks. (laughs) Can't make it up. No, Grant. No, Grant, you can't. Uh, Grant, I got one more thing for you.
1: Go ahead, Jerry. Uh, Jerry, unfortunately, I just lost you. You just cut out, my friend. Sorry about that. I'm not telling you anything that hasn't been reported either, by the way. You know, I'm not like, you know, spilling secrets from the Kings locker room. I'm just telling you that's what happened. And it was just like, wait a minute. Really? You're on the plane? So you use the Kings charter to fly to L.A. so you can hang out with Tyra Banks for the weekend. That was Chris. That was vintage Chris. That's Chris Webber with T. Absolutely to a T. Plain and simple. All right. Don't forget tomorrow, three o'clock Pacific, Jerry Reynolds, then halftime and postgame, Ryan and I will be with you right after the Kings and the Rockets. Ryan will also join us tomorrow uh, on three o'clock with Jerry and we'll talk some more with Ryan. But uh, that's tomorrow's lineup right here with Grant Napier. And then, of course, this show, at four o'clock on Listen Up. Hey, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Two days left for the NBA trade deadline. Let's see what happens.
3: So long, everybody. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?